Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is a special bonus episode we are, where we are recapping our thoughts on a little film called Mass, which we caught at the 2021 Sundance Film Festival. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, for this film... Uh, don't think we know when it will be coming to a streaming platform near you, but hopefully sometime soon, because spoilers, I think it's pretty good. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I mean, this is, I think this is going to be the, I mean, technically Judas and the Black Messiah was the first film that we saw at the festival that we have released an episode for, but that was (laughs) an officially numbered episode because... At the same time that we were doing the episode, the previous weekend had been the official release on HBO Max. Um, so you can check out that episode in the feed, and you can check out Judas and the Black Messiah um, on HBO Max if you have that. So there you go. Um, but yeah, so this film, hopefully it'll be available to people soon. Yeah, anything you want to say before we get into this episode, Stephen? Um, I want to say, because we probably can't elaborate on this uh, in the episode, that I think there were a few movies at Sundance that had great double-meaning names. Uh, Coda is one, and this is another one that I think is just very, very clever. <laughs> I, won't, I, I won't say more than that, but I wanted to get that in somewhere. Yeah. Also, I realized this when I was editing the episode for Coda. We never talked about, in the episode Coda, that Coda is actually an acronym <laughs> Right. That means child of deaf adults. Um, yep. and, and technically I could have done a drop in, but there was never a good spot to put that in. And now is not a good spot to put that either. <laughs> but, it's just, but we're doing it anyway. Yeah, we're doing it anyway. <laughs> that, that's what people tune into the mass episode to hear. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was something that could have been important. But yeah, I did think it was interesting. I felt like there was quite a few films that either had intentionally double meetings or in t- intentionally vague um yeah. uh titles to their films. It seemed like everybody wanted their film to be very short, their title to be very short. Yeah. And preferably four able... letters. Coda, flea, mass, cusp, cusp, yeah. Land. <laughs> um but yeah, th- th- this is by far my favorite of the four letter films from <laughs> mm-hmm. from the festival. So we're just gonna get started with it, I guess. Um Mass is a film that because we don't know when it's coming out, uh, they don't. There isn't a trailer that I could find online for it yet, um, so we're just going to dive right in. And because I think I think the film, if you watch this film without knowing much about it, um, the film chooses to divvy out its true story that it's talking about slowly over time. So from our standpoint, we're not going to talk directly about what it's talking about, but we are going to read the description from IMDb which vaguely talks about something happening. Um, So keep in mind, if you want to be completely fresh, skip the next 20 seconds. We're going to be very, very vague as we go into our thoughts on the film, but then we're also going to do a spoiler segment where we're free to talk, um, which for people who are not spoiler-averse, you might want to listen to. For everyone else, you might want to come back in a few months (laughs) when this film comes out for you. But essentially, from IMDb, um, aftermath of a violent tragedy that affects the lives of two couples in different ways is what IMDb is talking about this film. So we're going to start with that. Um, so Stephen Miller, what did you think about Mass? Uh, I thought this movie was great. I think the in our mini blurb in our Sundance episode, um, 
I think I said that this is just a great um, like adult drama, the the kind that you don't really see a lot of anymore. Yeah. I would say anymore. I don't know if you ever did, but I like I feel like it used to be that in any given year, a few of the like big hits would be a film that was clearly targeting adults. That was a kind of talky drama or something that was like meant to be low to medium budget. And, you know, it's the adult movie. It's the big concept movie of the year or whatever. Yeah. Um, but and, you know what, you know what kind sorry not not to interrupt but what what this kind of is is imagine imagine thanksgiving dinner without the problematic uncle <laughs> mm-hmm. where where all adults at the table are at least mature and even if they disagree they can have a coherent conversation about it um and nobody's drinking <laughs> that yeah. that is what this film is <laughs> right or like the the uh dinner scene in before midnight uh but stretched out basically to a whole movie and being about way heavier topics than yeah, love yeah. and romance the way that before midnight is doing it yeah um i i mean this is a talky talky film and i i mean this completely lovingly when i say that this would be a fantastic play and it feels like a play already everything down to the way the film is bookended basically like the talking doesn't really start until maybe 15 or 20 minutes into this movie. And before that, it is all building up to it. It's laying the groundwork. It's this is the setting. This is where the characters will be. This is where they'll be sitting. Let's prepare you for them to come in. Let's give you just a little bit up front. And then it kind of unwinds at the end the same way where it's just like, well, the conversation is done. Let's walk off. Let's have a few moments to kind of like release all of the tension and then depart in a way that I feel like would just be amazing in like a dark theater, you know, surrounded by people, um, yeah. bo- both in the stage sense and in the movie sense. <laughs> I would take either kind of theater at this point. Um, I know. But this but, is definitely like, a film that could be ruined by a Spence. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. You do <laughs> not want Spence in this movie at all. Um, I mean, it, it has suspense. But you don't want oh, the yeah. character Spence for people who don't, um, who haven't been listening to all of our 655 episodes or 656 now episodes. Um, uh, there's a character um, that we call Spence, who is that guy in the movie theater who is either drunk or high and is just saying incredibly inappropriate, non on topic and reacting incorrectly to the movie at all times. Um, so, yep. Yeah, you you don't want that. This is also not a movie that you want to throw on in a room with a bunch of your friends over because one of them will ruin it almost definitely. Not by being an asshole, just by... It's a talky film, and it is a film that relies very much on the growing tension of a weighty conversation. And anything that deflates that tension could totally throw it off balance. Um, But I didn't have anything deflating the tension. Uh, Even though this wasn't a headphone movie for me, which is usually what lets me keep that tension alive. Like the dialogue was just so engrossing. Um, And this is a movie that on paper I should, there was a chance I would not like it at all because this is a movie that is about what it is about. Like very directly, (laughs) very clearly you, you know, they go in, you know, they're going to be talking about a tragedy. They're going to talk about grief and processing their feelings over the death of uh, one of their children, about each, you know, each couple, the death of one of their children. Um, And you're going to, like, like, you know, this movie is going to be about life and death, 
mortality, guilt and forgiveness, blah, blah, blah. And historically, those kinds of movies are hit or miss for me because it sometimes feels like that is the easy way out narratively to just like let characters say all the big top shelf themes that they're going to be addressing. And it is a testament to how well this movie is written and acted that I fell for it 100%. Like, like it completely worked on me. When they are talking about grand themes of redemption or of like sorrow or tragedy or grief, like it feels completely earned because they sell it in the manner of parents who have been thinking about this for years and years and years and just need to get it off their chest. Um, I, I feel like this is a movie that it, it has no right to work as well as it does, and it just works phenomenally well. So, yeah, I found it moving. I think I only got Misty once in this movie. Uh, Christopher famously cried three times, which we'll talk about <laughs> in, in spoilers. Um, but, yeah, I just think every, everyone is great here. Uh, you know, it's really a, a quartet, right? You have the the Gail, Linda, Jay, and Richard are the characters named Martha, Plimpton, and Dowd, Jason Isaacs, and Reed Burney. And it's basically the parents. And each of them represents something different, which in spoilers, maybe we can talk a little bit more about how that dynamic shifts between the two couples. Um, but they, they all stake out a role kind of philosophically and emotionally. They all play it extremely well, and they all have a give and take with each other. And it isn't only couple and couple, on the same side, you see like diagonal connections. Like you see times when yeah. the mothers relate to each other in a way that the fathers refuse to and vice versa. And I, it, it's just a really, really, really smart, well-scripted movie that like the actors sell every heavy emotional moment. And there are many of them. Uh, and yeah, I, I was really, really into it. it. It wasn't a pleasant watch, but I was pretty blown away by how well it worked. Yeah. Um, as I've said on you know, the other recap episode, this was by far my favorite thing that I saw at Sundance this year. Um, I was in, just floored, blown away. Like it just, it also wrecked me. Like I, I just thought this was such an incredible film. And um, to, just to, I like to do little like uh, pulling back the curtains, showing how the sausage is made. Um, when I was like selecting all the films that we were going to review um, or that we were going to watch at Sundance this year, um, I'm just going to read you the first sentence of the description for mass and let you know when I was like, this is on the list. And it just says, imagine the most dreaded, tense and emotionally draining interaction you could find yourself in and multiply it by 10. And I said, bye. <laughs> because, and I, I stopped, I, I stopped reading the description after that. I was just like, oh yes, I'm, I'm, and I had no idea like, because as we said, masks could be anything. Right? Right. I just saw two people, I assume husband and wife, looking at each other with the face of somebody who just finished crying. And I was like, yeah, I want the most <laughs> dreaded, tense and emotionally draining interaction I could find myself in multiplied by 10. Please give it to me because that's what I go to festivals for. Um, can, can I tell you a true story is after <laughs> the night before we had like back-to-back -back movies that Joanna did not vibe with at all. Like, you know, kind of aggressive, like midnight screening type films. Yeah. And Mass was the next one she was going to watch. And I was like, okay, you decide if you want to watch it or not. And she was like, I just, is it going to be like sad or disturbing? And I was like, I don't know. Let's read the synopsis. <laughs> Imagine the most tense experience of your life. <laughs> but, but you said no headphones. So did she stick with it? She did. Yeah, she stuck okay. with it. And are you allowed to... Did she... <laughs> she liked it. Okay. 
um but yeah so so as i said i love this film um this film like so what as far as we're going right now is we're talking about that this centers around tragedy scene from two different sets of adults right um and i think that like in life anytime a tragedy happens no matter how big or how small or what's going on the questions you want or need answered are why how could anything have been different what if you know somebody turned left instead of right what if i didn't miss that light what if like there's a million things that go through your head and you the weight of dealing with situations can cause you to just like rack your head with like thinking about what ifs and and how things could have changed did you miss the signs of this did you whatever and i think that this film is what if people weren't forced to bottle that up inside and agreed to sit in a room and just have that out in each other's presence and it's just like it's a beautiful beautiful film and it's not a film that is preachy about one specific aspect of anything it is a film that is handling all sides of a subject matter with equal weight and levity and and doing a back and forth and passing the ball between it and like opening up for more ideas and you you like if you what I know this is impossible, but the execution and the delivery of the information of this film is done so well, I would believe you if you told me that the writer-director gave the actors and actresses X number of pages at a time and only let them have that information in order to perform their scenes, right? I mean, there's, there's no way right. that's, that's the way it worked. But the way this back and forth happens and how organically each person in the conversation can go with like, I have entered this room with my mindset on this and this is my agenda and how it transitions to like, well, now I'm thinking about this and now I'm going to go on this like extended monologue about how this makes me feel. And it's just like watching people process in real time something that when tragedies of these types happen we only see it through the news coverage, right? We, we, are, we are outside observers of a situation and we only think of it as the participants and ourselves as outside observers. This film talks about tragedy, tragedy from the people who are left behind and how they perceive events and how everybody perceives each other when they're tangentially related to events that take place, right? It's, it's a, it's just, it's it's an amazing achievement uh, is what i think it is like it's just it's i think this is a brilliant film the dialogue is amazing in it and it's just the way it chooses to to divvy out the truth of what they're there to talk for and the way it does it too like it, it, this is this is a film that is like all you know is two sets of people are coming to a room at this church to have a conversation <laughs> and that's yep. all you get and even the people who host the event aren't allowed to know due to contractual obligation what those people are going to talk about. They're like, look, I'm just a mediator. I bring people together to have a conversations. We just need a room. I don't even know what they're going to talk about. Like you just got to let it be boom. And then we just cut to inside this room. And as you said, like, this is like, this is like one of those things where you're like, where you could do this one, not one man show. You could do this one scene show in or one act play in, uh, a giant place with just a table and a spotlight on it. <laughs> you could do yeah. it in like a coffee shop with like an okay crowd, like a, like a high class coffee shop, right? So this is going to be like a Starbucks. No offense to Starbucks, but 
whatever. Um, like you could do this anywhere. And as long as the people participating from the audience standpoint are like, are in, in, in the mood to see it, it would still have the same weight because this is just people talking about how they feel and their belief. Like it, <laughs> the other films that we were, re- that we, that I was referencing negatively during our Minari review, like, the, the thing that I hate is people not saying to somebody what they feel like withholding information. This film is all about just let it all out. Talk to each other. Yeah. Communicate. Say what you mean. Intellectually uh, agree, disagree, like bounce around ideas. Try to understand what you've been through together. And it's like, man, this is like in a world where... I would have to go through anything that these people are going through. I would wish that I could have this kind of conversation with the other people involved and it would almost never happen. Right. Like this is just, like, yeah. it's, it's just an amazing thing what this film is doing. And like, I can't wait for this to be available for everybody to, to, to watch and for me to be able to go back and watch it again. Cause one of the things that I'm most regretful about is that, a, this was sandwiched between a bunch of other reviews and B, it's been three weeks or whatever it's been since I've seen it. So it's like, I only know the really big moments in, a, in exact detail because that's the stuff that like stuck with me just because I emotionally reacted to it so hard. Um, but like, I would love to just like be in it and see people talking about it. And yeah, I just, I, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I feel that. And I think there are a few things, even though I believe this would make a fantastic stage play, that make this like uniquely a movie, and I think strengths of it as a movie. One is the way it uses time. So this is a conversation between these four people, but it it has breaks in it. Like there are clearly time jumps in it. It isn't only real time. Like because you would get the sense that they've been in here for a while, and there are kind of moments of reprieve after a really heavy conversation where the camera will kind of linger somewhere else for a little while and give you a moment to recover before jumping back into it. And I think that is really important to the pacing of it, too. I also love, even though the meat of the movie is inside that room, the way we talked about uh, uh, Before Midnight before already as like a conversational movie. But another thing I love about the before series is the way that it it establishes places before and after the characters have been in them. And it kind of gives you a chance to process the emotions that like that room held. Um, And I think this does a fantastic job of doing it. Like the way this does open and close, I think adds a lot to your experience of the movie. Um, You also, you mentioned that this is a movie about what if four people could really just talk process you know get everything out d- disagree with each other in a constructive way and try to come at some conclusion in the end and what i love about the way this movie handles that is it is it is not doing that in a how do we rationalize this way like let's have a debate about I, I can't even spoil what they would debate without spoiling the nature of the tragedy um yeah, yeah. like it, this isn't a movie that is trying to preach or have them discuss logistic ramifications or what should we do or let's set our feelings aside and look at this subjectively and blah 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 this is a movie about processing emotion and it's like processing your own grief and anger and the grief and anger of others and how do you how do you express everything you are feeling when you know the things you're feeling will hurt 
the people that you are talking to or who have their own things that they're also feeling and that the give and take between them where every character depending on when it is in the movie is either acting as the the person who feels who has to get something off their chest or is the protector of someone else who is like aware of that other person's limits and doesn't want to rile them beyond what they can take and i think that that is like the very you know mature sensibility of this movie is that you can hold both in your hand at the same time like you you can be grieving and getting something off your chest because you know you have to and you can also be aware of the other person and wanting to guard them from feelings and not wanting to push them beyond what they can take and i think that is the whole tension of this movie that's why even when you know everything there is to know which the the movie divvies out information but i would say by I don't know, halfway through it, you know all the big bullet points of what they're discussing. And even still there, there is like, there's attention the whole time in the conversation because you feel that tug of war between what I want to say and what I am aware enough to know I should not say and how do I navigate in between that so we can all get to a place where we're comfortable and speak our mind. And I think that is a... Yeah, it's just like a fantastic movie and a, a really difficult line to tread and especially a thing that you could you could write the script for this and then have it get acted and it would be dog shit, right? right? Like there's yeah. so many ways that this could feel like a good movie and then when you watch it, you're like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, I am, I'm making people listen to two hours of tragedy. That is not good. Um, it, 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 and, could also, it could also be a thing that when you watch you there there is a world in which this film was made and you came away going like that person thinks they're really fucking smart um right right? like where it doesn't feel authentic it feels like somebody trying to be writerly (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and instead this comes off as like fuck i aspire to be able to talk to people that i come across in life with this much care and like just goodwill regardless of of the situation right like it's just it's 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 just something that's like it's it's a magical achievement in my mind just like how well it executed on this when there's so many ways it could go wrong and it didn't go wrong at all it like nailed it yep yeah and i think to to say more i would probably need to go into spoilers (laughs) to talk about what it nailed exactly (laughs) yeah um i I also uh, think that's probably the case. So for everyone who's listening who hasn't yet been able to see the film, um, we're going to wrap up the non-spoiler segment now and just go to verdicts. So Stephen Miller, if you're going to give us a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I'm giving this a must-see. It, Unlike Christopher, it wasn't my number one of the festival. It was probably like number like three or something it it was high up there (laughs) and i i really 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 enjoyed it and i think it is a great movie that people should definitely check out um yeah the the fact that i'm not giving it the number one slot shouldn't detract from that i just thought there were a few really (laughs) lovely movies of of the fest um yeah i just think this is the kind of movie that you don't you don't see a lot of and you certainly don't see a lot that are executed this well normally a talky film that you see is either very loose and improvisational and you kind of like bake that in you you assume okay to get naturalistic i'm just gonna have to deal with a lot of kind of awkward pauses and stuff like that and i'm gonna roll with it because i want to get at something human in the end um or you 
you get something that feels overly clever, like you said, like that person thinks they're so smart. Like, like you can hear where one character cuts the other off and it feels like way too tightly scripted. And this is a movie that just is, it, it does not feel clever and it does not feel loose. It, it, it is a movie that is just like a, a fantastic drama that wants to be a drama and, and like knows what it is going for and just sticks the landing like 100%. And I think that that is super rare and worth celebrating. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a must-see from, from me. Um, as I said, it's my favorite film of the festival. Um, it will no doubt be on my top 10 list by the year's end. Um, the joke I made during our our other review was WB be damned because we'll see what <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see how all those films come out. I don't know. Maybe Dune's going to be the greatest movie I've seen in my life. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> I actually heard there's a four hour cut of mass that wasn't allowed to be shown to us. <laughs> the, the Snyder cut. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's the non-spoiler review of the film Mass. Um, we're going to say goodbye to anybody who doesn't want to hear spoilers. Anybody who, um, doesn't mind to hear spoilers for this film. Um, and really honestly, I think like a lot of reviewers straight up just say the spoilers for this film. And I think that it will still be as impactful overall, but there's definitely, the actual reality of what this is about is stated in a very blunt way that I think works extremely magically. Um, like, it's just like there's a needle drop moment where somebody just says something, just says it, and says it mm -hmm. in a very exacting, biting sort of way. And then there's a pause of a few seconds of dead silence. And I think that that affects you more if you don't know what it is yet. <laughs> but I think overall, it's probably safe to to hear some spoilers for some things. Um, but all that being said, we're going to wrap it up now. Some music's going to play, and then when we come back, it'll be spoilers. So for now, Stephen Miller, people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they find you? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the credits to Mass, <laughs> so hopefully you are enjoying that. And uh, yeah, as I said, that music's going to fade up, and when it fades out, we will be in full-blown spoilers, so watch out for that. Everyone else, we will see you in about 10 seconds. Alright, so we are back. This is spoiler territory for our review of Mass. We are talking about full-blown spoilers. So, um, I guess the first thing we should do is talk about what Mass is. Um, mm -hmm. And then maybe mention how Mass is revealed. And um, and then we can go on to talk about like whatever other pieces uh, that we want to talk about. So, um, do you, do you want to take it away, Stephen? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, what Mass is, uh, the real story here is that 
there was a school shooting that took place a number of years ago, and the parents of one of the victims, I'm, I'm going to use the word victim loosely, because as the movie is going to make abundantly clear, like everyone should be considered a victim in this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the parents of one of the victims of the mass shooting are meeting with the parents of the shooter who ultimately shot up you know, his school and then killed himself. Uh, and they are meeting with those parents to maybe not reconcile. The Martha Plimpton says something early in the movie that implies that she is hoping reconciliation is possible. Or at least it's a phrase that she she is being she's imagining she might get to a place where she can forgive the the son, uh, they forgive the shooter, basically. Um, and they are having a conversation to try to seek closure or clarity in in this event and that is what's happening so on the one hand you have parents who the dad has become kind of a anti um not anti like, like a pro-gun safety advocate someone who has become kind, kind of the equivalent of like the parents of the parkland survivors for instance yeah. uh talking about how like we need we need safer schools you need you know we we can't do nothing uh, so the father of one of the victims has become kind of an agitator for social change. The parents of the shooter have become the subject of scorn and have kind of withdrawn in society. And yeah, this is a movie about that dynamic, basically. How do the parents of the person that did the killing uh, handle, like, work with the parents of someone who was killed? And like this movie is as blunt or more blunt than that. I, I think the line you were referencing is someone saying, your son shot my son. You know, yeah, that's yeah. what we're here to talk about. It's yeah, because as this as this conversation starts, it's not that everybody's being cagey. It's, it's it's in an intelligent way. It is both people know exactly what they're talking about. So nobody has to say it for the audience. And mm -hmm. a person asks a question. I forget the exact question, but it's like, but why does X equal X? And then the, the mother of the son who was killed by the other one says, because your son killed my son or shot my son. Um, and then that's that moment of dead silence where you just sit with that for a little while and everybody kind of just sits back in their seat and is like, fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's the first moment where I was really like, I love this movie. <laughs> so I think, I don't know when I clued in with certainty that this was about a mass shooting uh, so that, you know, I don't remember if I underlined it before, but that is the second meaning of mass is, you know, the shooting also the church that it takes place in. Yeah. Um, but the, I feel like by the time that reveal happened, I already knew for a while that it was a school shooting and I don't know why I, maybe I just assumed, you know, when it asked me to think of the most terrible thing ever, I, I maybe just clued in there that that was probably what the movie was going to be about. But for people who are listening to this, who have not seen the movie yet, I can tell you as someone who kind of assumed it was about a school shooting, watching them divvy out the information is still, you can feel it being expertly done, even if you already had an inkling of what it was about going in. Yeah, like, like I, I assumed that somebody was dead, but it could have been drunk driving. It could have been a mm -hmm. fight that became deadly. It could have been like, I, there was a million things that in my head it could have been, and I didn't... And that's, that's actually, honestly, what kind of makes it interesting is that because it is a mass shooting, 
there are other families and other victims that are that are involved in the actual tragedy that takes place. This is just one set of parents on one side and the other set of parents on the other side sitting down to talk. So it's kind of like this film in so when when we hear about mass shootings and tragedies, the news as much as they say they're not going to like we're not going to say the name of the the person because whatever, like there there's a lot of stuff that happens, but it's still focusing on the body count and the background of the person who did the crime, right? That's as outside observers, that is what is fed to us. And unless we are very close to the victims or it's becomes a wide enough thing and there's movements centered around the victims, we don't know what the families are really experiencing. Right. And this film is really about like, let them candidly in private have a conversation that is not for the public, but is for these two individuals in a self-contained space where they don't have to say the right thing. They can be vulnerable and say something that could be wrong or misconstrued and then backtrack a little bit. Like this isn't a thing where it's like, I've written this down so that I can say it to the world. This is people in private. I mean, obviously somebody wrote it down. <laughs> right. Um, but, but from our standpoint, we're watching people who are in real time dealing with something that they have only dealt with separately. And now they're together dealing with it. And it just, it, it just makes it so much more. Um, it, it broadens the scope of what's being talked about and makes it a more personal thing for these groups of people to talk about. And, and it makes you think about like, when somebody does something horrible, it also affects the people who they didn't victimize, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the parents of the shooter also go through something and their lives are torn apart and their lives are ruined too. And like, it's not like this film is trying to make you be like, hey, feel sorry for the, the person who did all the heinous acts. But it is like expanding the scope of what you think about in tragedy to... to other people who also hurt and hurt in a different way. And it just, it, it, yeah, it, I found it in, incredibly compelling. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that kind of struck me there is the relationship that like everyone is very interesting in this movie, right? Like all four of them are grappling with something in, in their own way. But I think the, the parents of the shooter are probably the most interesting to dwell on because the other parents, you know, as you said, this is them sitting down to have this conversation for the first time. They've they've written letters back and forth, so they've talked somewhat to each other before. But this is them actually behind closed doors talking things out. And there's a catharsis that they're seeking in the end. Like, they want to get to the heart of something. And when the conversation ends, they have reached that, you know, it, it, it'd be too simple to call it closure you know probably that's a wound that is going to reopen and we reopen for a long time but yeah. they end the conversation in a place that feels like they've hit some kind of peace for all everyone quote learned in this movie the parents of the shooter might walk out that door and have to have the same conversation with another couple a week later and there will be no shortcuts there will be nothing that they learned from this conversation that will apply to the next one because it doesn't get to be about them you know it it, it is about helping the others process their grief and yeah. just being there to help explain what they can and that was kind of the the extra heartbreaking thing to me is as much as the parents of the shooter are hurting in this movie and trying to be open and trying to talk through 
how did I raise him? Did I do enough? Did I not do enough? What could I blame? Why did I react the way I reacted? They're processing that for the benefit of the others, and no one else will get to see that, and they don't get to have peace from it. And and that just seemed very interesting to me. Yeah, 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 because the, the, the family of one of the victims, if they arrive at a place where they're like, I'm free, I'm done, let's, now let's go home and, you know, stop at the Applebee's next to the hotel and, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like they're done. But the family of the shooter never gets to, unless they can have this conversation with the same success with every other person. Even then, because people who weren't even related to any of the victims are still going to be sending them hate letters and tweets and all sorts of stuff like that, right? Um, so it's kind of like they, yeah, like they literally never have a break from this. They can only walk out of the room with one best case outcome possible and then, yeah, repeat the process forever. <laughs> yeah. And it's, there are just so many things that their conversation touches on that I found really interesting. Um, one of them, which again, these are the kind of big ideas that like could not land at all. Like they could be offensive or cheesy or so many things, depending on how well it handled them. But one of them is the the mother of the shooter. She's trying to explain to the three other people in the room how she knows the world would be a better place if her son hadn't existed, but she can't let herself feel that he shouldn't have been born. Like, like the, the line between I know the damage he caused means I have to believe this thing. And yet like love demands that I can't let myself internalize it. Am I allowed to not, internalize that belief and the, like like i thought that was just really really interesting and it could have completely blown up <laughs> like the when it was brought up it could it could have felt there are so many ways it could have been tone deaf and and it wasn't like i thought instead it tried this just really really good line between in a tragedy things are complicated and there are no right answers and when you love someone who does does a horrible thing what right answer is left for you to do? And I, I yeah. thought that was maybe the most compelling dynamic in the movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so too. I mean, that's, it's, it's, I mean, there, there's, when, in accidents, you, you, you don't have the answers that you need, right? When there's an actual act that was caused by a person making a decision, like, it's just so much, so much worse because there's, there's intention behind it. And that's intention that you need explained that that you want to have been able to correct and there's just there's there's guilt associated with it there's hate associated with it there's love that's associated with it just it's really really interesting yeah i I think i think that point of her feeling comes back into play the third time that i cried (laughs) which is when everybody has left and said goodbye and the mother comes back the mother of the shooter comes back and like privately with her husband no longer present, make, tells, tells a story about a time where she saw the violent side of her son and wanted, like it was an interaction where he told her to leave 
Otherwise, he would beat the shit out of her. And she says she wishes she would have stayed so that she could feel mm. physically what she feels emotionally and, like, wrecked me. <laughs> yeah. Was that one of the three? That was the third. <laughs> I'm getting emotional now, like, thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that was well done. So now that we're in spoiler section, I can also say how much I preferred this movie to Gus Van Sant's Elephant, which was oh. the other first thing that I thought of, um, given the subject matter. Like, I feel like this is, this is simultaneously, in a literal sense, this is way more heavy-handed and direct than, than Elephant, because this is literally characters talking about good and evil and grief and why would they do this. But it, this handles it so much better than a movie that just tries to depict what happens. Um, I, I feel like because, again, the, this is people talking about what happened, but they are in the universe of the movie. They are the only people in the world who have a right to so candidly and directly dissect what happened and why. Yeah. And I think that is kind of the magic of this movie is it it lets things be voiced by characters who would and should have thought this bluntly about the motivation behind tragedy. And that makes it feel so authentic and moving, even though it is a kind of a mouthpiece for saying things that you normally wouldn't say about the, the causal mechanisms of tragedy and how it leaves people. Yeah. But also one of the, one of the reasons why I think it is important to talk about this material in this way is because no one the people who the people who it happened to and who caused it are not here to explain the motivations and the experience in the moment of what happened right like this is it 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 sounds like it was one classroom mainly that took the brunt of the attack and then the shooter killed himself in the library later um so there may have been other people in that room that survived and got away so they might have eyewitness accounts like there was a whole court case around this and everything so witness testimony and stuff came out so these parents know all that but the fact of the matter is no one was in the head of the shooter at the moment he did the shooting and no one was in the head of the child at the time it did so when you dramatize the experience of being under gunfire you are inserting whatever you think is the filmic representation of that it, there, there is inherently artifice it might be super filmic you might be like trying to make it feel like D-Day and like show off the um, the cacophony of this moment in time. But that's not real. Like these parents also don't know what's real. They only know the facts afterwards and the evidence from the, the crime scene investigators who painted a picture for them of the events as they expected to have taken place. And I, I think that that's the most honest way to talk about this because you're not make i mean obviously this whole thing is is just somebody writing it but like if this situation was real it would be the most honest way to talk about the situation because all you can do is project what you think you know into people who are no longer with you and and they are they're just you got to deal with that and be frank about that when you try to talk about people about blame about guilt about you know rationales for why things happen should you have seen the signs um is your child pure evil like there, there's there's just there's so much there's so much there that this film is doing that i think is like the best way to handle this subject matter yeah 
Yeah, one one line that sticks out to me, which it wouldn't shock me if this is another of your cry moments, um, is the the father of one of the victims when he is starting to break down up until now, he has kind of been the stoic one. Like he, he sees Martha Plimpton as the person who needs to get stuff off her chest. And he kind of is trying to be the more like the level hand in, in the, um, he's trying to kind of moderate the conversation because he thinks that that is his role. Yeah. Um, but it, but in this moment he kind of breaks down when he's talking to the other father, the other father starts rattling off names and stuff to prove like he does know he does care. He knows what happened. And the dad says like, but you don't know the way I know, you know, yeah. you don't know what happened to my son the way I know. Cause when I saw it, this is what I saw. And it's just this idea of like how, how tight that emotional bond is and how like, just like what those scenes represent to the individuals who are left behind as opposed to what they represent when it's the news just like showing it off or sensationalizing it. And that I just thought there was something really powerful and interesting about that back and forth that they have about like how intimate your relationship with loss is, yeah. even though, you know, the unspoken truth is the dad doesn't know, you know, like he wasn't there and he knew his son but that doesn't mean he knew exactly what his son was going through he, any more than the father of the shooter knew what his son was going through, you know, yeah. but because this grief has defined his life for so long, he feels like he knows it. And I, like, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. That, that so that was the first, that scene is the first, the first cry moment, the first ugly cry moment. Mm -hmm. um, but it's basically the father is talking like the, the father wants the father of the shooter to say that his son was evil, basically. And his rationale for it is that the first assault of the classroom involved a pipe bomb followed by a bunch of gunfire. And he knows through the reportings by the, the investigators of the scene that his son survived the initial attack and was trying to get away. And that the child came, the, the shooter came back and basically execution style finished the son off. And because there was six minutes or whatever it was in between the initial attack, when the kid came back and, and executed his son and then went off and killed himself, that it to him, that can only be seen as evil because mm -hmm. it, 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 it shows some sort of at least secondary premeditation, which is not an actual term, but basically like he came right. in, tried to take out a bunch of people. Like basically the, the father of the shooter is trying to say that like, that wasn't even his classroom. He didn't have class with those kids. He just picked a class at random. And the, and the father's trying to say, like, he was lashing out. He picked a classroom at la random and killed it. And the, and, and uh, Jason Isaacs is trying to say, like, no, he came back to finish off my son. That That's not a random act. That's a thing that you intentionally do. Like, you can't argue mm -hmm. that that's random. And, like, as he recounts the, like, at 102... Uh, the pipe bombs thrown at 106 this happens and then like like as he's recounting just like that hurt from the father is like what like tipped me over the edge yeah what so was your number two then martha plimpton forgiving yeah yeah yep so that's my three three good cries <laughs> nice <laughs> but yeah and any any last thoughts steven only that there in the kind of ebb and flow of this movie because it you know it it 
the conversation starts with them just wading into it, talking about their showing pictures, you know, talking about the kid's childhood and everything. And then wading into the details of the tragedy and what the loss means for the parents of the victims. Um, and then it gets to a place where the parents of the victims feel sympathy for the parents of the shooter because they start talking about, you know, I wasn't allowed in the school until this time. When I came home, I didn't know what was going on. I tried to see the body. I couldn't. And I, 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 f I thought it was interesting seeing the exercise of the parents of the victims having to sympathize with the parents of the shooter. And it made me wonder in real life if these conversations have happened. <laughs> like, how often does that reconciliation process actually occur in real life? And if it did if it were publicized in any way, would people acknowledge it as a complicated situation or would they see it as like, basically would, would media distort it the moment it actually became a public thing versus this private kind of imaginary conversation people had. Um, cause I felt sympathy for everyone in this yeah, movie, yeah. you know? Um, and I, and I wonder in real life how that would go or if we even have the capacity to feel sympathy on that level <laughs> so so there are i have heard of studies done where there are, there are actually programs that are meant to come that are meant to commit connect excuse me there are programs that are meant to connect people who have committed crimes with the victims of those crimes and i think there's like some mm -hmm. statistic about like positive reactions from those sort of programs um if i if I would have known ahead of time that we were going to like approach this topic, I would have tried to dig up those statistics. But I know that there are people who are really, really fond of this sort of interaction and who are fighting to make it more of a, a thing that like, I don't remember if it like lessens sentencing or if it's like a thing that's like, if you can get some sort of interaction, like with the people who you've affected, it helps with something mm -hmm. like both sides are basically improved by that experience. But um, yeah. It's definitely a thing that's out there that that people are strong proponents of. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Uh, well, that's that's it. That's our spoiler conversation of Mass. So hopefully everyone enjoyed that. And uh, we'll be back uh, in the future with more reviews, probably of stuff that's actually out for everyone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>